Well, good morning, church. My name is Tanya. If I haven't gotten to meet you, I just introduced myself, so Tanya is my name. Uh, we talk about uh, leading together a lot. Uh, every time Adam speaks, he tells about how we lead together, and I'm going to tell you guys why we lead together, and that's because we believe, just like a family in a church, the voice of the mother and the father are equally important. And in fact, it actually thrives better when both parents are present in an active voice. And so that's not to, to heap shame on anybody right off the bat if you don't have that voice of the mother and the father because there are people that come into your life and just kind of adopt those positions. But that's why we lead together in such, a, in such a way as this. And that might be different for some of you guys um, if you have any church experience. So I'm just grateful to be uh, the mother voice in this church, and sometimes I'm like the mother, the mother finger, um, but <laughs> today's actually a really special day, and Adam didn't even allude to it, which is really kind of funny, but I'm actually not allowed to say anything about the special day that it is, so I'm not going to say anything, um, so you're welcome, um, but today uh, I'm actually speaking about spiritual gifts, and, um, and so part of speaking about spiritual gifts is you have to discover your spiritual gift. And so I kind of had an idea going into this, some of my spiritual gifts, but I took our assessment and I'm, I'm just gonna tell you off the bat, this whole message, I'm just gonna keep on plugging my refuge and keep on plugging Seven Minute Head Start. But in Seven Minute Head Start, one of the steps of that is that you get to take a spiritual gifts assessment. And so I jumped on there, I took my spiritual gifts assessment and one of my spiritual gifts is the gift of discernment. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, okay, so one way that that works really well is I can discern where there are loopholes. And so I have actually discerned that there is a loophole today. I do have a gag order not to say anything. So here we go. You guys can read out loud for me because I can't say anything. He told me, like, right off the bat, he was like, don't say anything about my birthday. And I was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> so I didn't say anything about it being his birthday. And so as I'm, as I'm preparing this message, I'm getting ready. I was like, oh, I'm speaking about spiritual gifts. I was like, oh, I've got another object lesson. And so this is kind of like kind of like a Gallagher show right off the bat because I come with like all these like props. But I have a gift for you because we're speaking about spiritual gifts today. So here's your gift. But you can open it. I don't want you to open it. I just want you to hold it and just admire it and just be like really grateful that you have a gift. Are you grateful? It's exciting to know that you have a gift. You can sit down. It's fine. It's exciting to know that you have a gift, though, right? And so that's actually what we're going to talk about today is that you guys all have gifts. But there's a difference with some people operating in their gifts 
and some people not even realizing what they have as a gift. So Adam doesn't even, it could be alive. Like that bag could start shaking and like scoot off any moment. He has no idea what the gift is. And so actually a lot of us have gifts. Everybody has gifts, but a lot of us don't know what our gift is. And it's kind of like having your weird spouse give you a gift from the stage and not being allowed to open it. It's kind of exciting. You're like, there's just some suspense there, uh, but you can't open it. You don't really know what it is. You can't start using your gift and enjoying your gift if you don't open it. And so that's why I've titled this series Unwrapped, because that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be unwrapping. We're going to be opening what your spiritual gifts are to help you guys begin to operate in those spiritual gifts. So there are things in this world that I've learned that are, are worth more when they're unopened. So this is not really worth much to you right now because it's unopened. But there are things like collector's items that are worth more when they're unopened, like Barbies or action figures. And so the, the collectors lie to you, and they tell you that they enjoy it. Like, I love having to dust all my things that are unopened, and I love, like, controlling the humidity in the room and the UV light because this is, like, how I enjoy my collection. But they don't just, like, I... I would just rip open all those packages and play like with all those action figures. That's fun to me, to unwrap something and to actually enjoy it. And I was actually quite the collector myself um, growing up. Some of you guys may not know this, and I can't believe I'm admitting this, um, but I was actually a Pez dispenser collector. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty legit. I had over 200 Pez dispensers. And in my bedroom, I had, uh, there were three doors in the bedroom, two windows, and there was a small fireplace mantle, and they were all covered in Pez dispensers. I had them up all around the room. And so a fun fact about those Pez dispensers is that I had actually never bought a single Pez dispenser. One day, somebody gave me one. I was like, oh, cool, put it up uh, above the door. And then somebody else gave me one. Somebody else gave me one. Every single Pez dispenser I had, uh, they were all gifts. And so they came from all around the world, and some were vintage. And as I'm actually, like, studying for this message, I was like, crap, some of those were worth money. <laughs> and the, the way that I knew that they were worth money is because a vintage Pez dispenser has no feet to the bottom. They were just like square, straight down. They were made before the 80s. So if you were born before 1980, you're vintage too. But <laughs> the, the way that I knew for sure that some of those vintage Pez dispensers I had um, was that uh, when they're all lined up above the door, the window in my house, if somebody slammed the door, mainly me as a teenager, um, slammed the door or the wind blew just right, it would be like a domino effect and all my Pez dispensers would fall. I can't tell you how many times that happened and I would like set them back up and I'd like play with them and you know, whatever. And then I grew up and I sold them on eBay. That was my first eBay uh, sale, my only eBay sale, I think. Um, and I, I got some money for them, but nothing like if I had left them unopened, but they weren't able to be enjoyed. I actually, I still, I get a hankering for Pez candy every now and then. And I was like a ninja when it came to loading the Pez dispensers. Like, you know, a lot of people do like one at a time. I could do the whole sleeve and just pop it in. My mouth is watering now thinking about Pez dispensers. And so uh, that, that collection was worth some money, not a ton of money, but some. Uh, my brother-in-law actually had a gift that was given to him that was worth quite a bit of money. Um, he was given a bottle of scotch. I don't know if anybody speaks scotch here, but he had a, a bottle of Macallan, what was it, Oscura? Okay. Uh, so he had a, a bottle of scotch that was given to him uh, from a family friend in Vietnam. 
This was a $1,200 bottle of scotch. And so he didn't drink it. He just like let it sit on the counter because he knew there was going to be a special occasion one day. And so he was just saving it for something special. And so a little bit later, uh, nine months later, actually, um, his first child was born. And so Adam's sister flew from Illinois, and they all came up here, and we all got together to celebrate um, Billy becoming a dad. And so they opened up the bottle of scotch, and they all um, enjoyed it and experienced it together. I didn't experience it because I think scotch tastes like acid, but um, <laughs> they enjoyed it. They said that it was good. And so he had this gift that was worth a lot that he held on to because he knew it was worth so much. And then, but in moderation, yes, <laughs> small cheers. Um, but when it comes to spiritual gifts, we all have this. We all have a spiritual gift, and it, they're worth a lot. But they're really not worth much to you unless you open it and enjoy it. And it's actually best when you enjoy it with other people, with the people that you love when you're celebrating. So you can go ahead and open your gift. I know you enjoyed having a gift, but it's more fun. It's not a big deal. But you guys can uh, celebrate when he opens his gift. So this message that I have for you guys today is really like a mission critical. There's some candy there. It's no McAllen's, but whatever. Truth be told, it's from Marshall, so it might be stale. Um, <laughs> and there's a golf shirt for him, too. You know what's fun, though, is that we've got two services, so I'm not rewrapping this gift for the next service. You actually have another gift coming, too. <laughs> So this, this message, though, is so mission critical to everything we do, to the reason why we exist as a church, that the enemy just wants to cause confusion and division here. There are three different um, camps when it comes to spiritual gifts. There's cessationism, there's continuism, and there's open. And if you believe in cessation, you believe that spiritual gifts are dead, that they've stopped, that they don't, they don't continue to operate anymore. If you're a continuous, you believe that the spiritual gifts that were present in Old Testament are still present today. It's so cool. Uh, I love when we worship and those songs, I'm just like standing there. I'm like, oh, this is my message. Exactly. And the spirit lit the, the flame and the church of Christ was born. And that's exactly when the uh, spiritual gifts really began to operate within the church. And then there's open, and open just means that you're not really sure where you stand, that you're open to the continuation, but you're not entirely sure how that plays out in the modern-day church. And so one of the beautiful things about us being a non-denominational church is that I'm not going to preach from one camp. You guys, my job is to teach what Scripture says. Your job is to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to convict you and to just start that hunger in you to, to want to... Uh, dive deeper into study. And so this theme scripture for this entire series is what our position is. And that's in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. That's it. I don't want you to be uninformed when it comes to spiritual gifts. So my job is to just teach you about the spiritual gifts. And whether or not you believe that they continue or they have ceased or you're just open and just wanting to know more, that's on you. But our job as a church and as equippers of the people in the church is to just not allow you to be uninformed. 
And so today we're just we're just cracking into the beginning of this series. So this is really just a really high level view of spiritual gifts. And so I'm going to talk about three gifts that God gives us. And I mentioned before that the Holy Spirit is going to be guiding you when you start diving more into where what camp you lie in when it comes to the continuation or uh, cessation of spiritual gifts. And so that is one of the gifts from God. And I'm going to get there in a second. But gift number one that God gives us is the gift of eternal life. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that tells you exactly the gift is eternal life. We also see that in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and that it's not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. You can't get much more clear than that, that eternal life is a gift from God. And that's offered to you at no cost. And it's just like Adam's gift. You just have to accept it. You have to open your hand and receive it. And I know that there's somebody in here that believes that I'm, I know that it's a gift, but I'm not ready to receive it. I, I need to work harder for it. Well, guess what? If Adam worked for that sweet golf shirt, then he would have bought it for himself. He would have earned it. It wouldn't have been a gift that I gave to him. Or you feel like maybe you're not worthy to receive that gift. And so you, you just don't know where you're at with God. And I just want to tell you, if you get nothing out of this message today, is that this gift is here, no cost for you. It costs God his son. And all you have to do is accept it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. But God loves you so much that he wants to give that gift to you. And that's the gift of eternal life. Gift number two is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4 through 5 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, and that's part of that first gift. We, we talk about baptism here as like a wedding ring, that's symbolic of that decision, that internal decision that you made. Baptism is your external declaration of the heart decision that you made. So that's gift number one. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's gift number two. And then the third gift that God gives us, which is where our entire series is, is spiritual gifts. We had a friend in Illinois. I love this saying. He said, the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. There's a, there's a song, there's a country song that Adam and I always quote to each other. God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. And it's true. If, if you have any experience with the Holy Spirit and acts of the Holy Spirit, you might be like, yeah, that's really weird. It's not weird. People are weird. And so that's one of the tactics of the enemy, I believe, that he causes you to be uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit. The most power that you can access, you don't even want to access it because you're like, that's weird. I don't want to start to act like those people. I don't want you to act like those people either because some people are just weird. <laughs> there was actually a study uh, done by Fuller Theological Seminary in California that says that 80% of believers do not know their spiritual gifts. They either do not know what it is or they just don't act in their spiritual gift. They don't use their spiritual gift. And so knowing how mission critical that this um, spiritual gift is to the body, to the church, to furthering the kingdom of God, of course the enemy is going to do everything he can to cause you to be unaware, to be uninformed, and to not use that spiritual gift. This study tells me that he's being 80% successful right now. And I know from college that 80% is still passing. And so we do not want to. 
allow him to continue on in this. And so our job as a church, and that's why we believe so much in my refuge in seven minute head start is just kind of your fast track to get on there because we don't want you to be uninformed when it comes to your spiritual gift. You are entering into a battle and if we don't equip you with armor, if we don't equip you with a weapon, then you're gonna be annihilated and we cannot stand to allow that to happen. And so that's why we've created my refuge. And so we talk about seven minute head start i firmly believe after today that the lounge isn't going to be able to hold all of you guys because you're like all right i got to get in there i got to go through my refuge i got to find out my spiritual gifts and so i'll just give you guys you can still go kick it in the lounge because it's super cute in there and we want you to make like a connection with a person but i will just tell you right now you don't have to go to seven minute head start this is the only service that you will ever hear this said you don't have to go to seven minute head start you can just jump right onto our website refugemain.church slash my refuge or you can just navigate there from the website there's a drop down that says my refuge and that's going to give you the history vision and beliefs of the church and that's going to help you know god find freedom discover your purpose so you can leave an impact and that's why we exist that's our entire vision of uh as a church and those are the four steps of my refuge if we jump into romans romans chapter 12 verse 6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. One thing that's interesting is that in the original language, the word used for gifts and the word used for grace come from the same root word, charis. And those basically saying that that's a grace gift. And if you think about grace, grace is something that you can't earn, that you've not done anything to get. It's just, it just comes. And so when I think about grace, I think uh, actually about ballet. And I think about a graceful ballerina. And it just comes naturally to them. It's just, I know that they, I know that they work hard for it and that like they are really working out and it's like, but when you watch them, it just seems so effortless. They just float. They defy gravity and they're just so graceful. And that's how it is when you operate in your grace gift. You don't have to work hard to do it. Listen, I'm going to tell you that one of my grace gifts is not working with children. I love kids, but I'm not back there with kids for a reason. I'm also, it's, you know, it's really funny. Um, I was listening to a message about spiritual gifts and they were talking about um, counseling. And some people just have this grace gift that they walk in and they see a crying person and they're just like their heart breaks for them because they have that gift of mercy and then somebody else can walk in that same room with that crying person and be like that light bulb is out and that's me I'm just going to be straight up with you guys that's me 100% but that's why I feel like we're such a great team because Adam is so merciful and compassionate I still love you guys listen I will I'll, I'll cry with you but then I'll get somebody to fix the light bulb after because I have that gift of leadership and administration and there's no shame in your gift it just comes naturally to you you don't have to fight it you don't have to make it happen you also shouldn't be ashamed of it because that's how you are naturally wired so we're going to have a working definition throughout this series about what a spiritual gift is. And a spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives each of his children so that together we can advance his purpose in this world. Because it's great to have a spiritual gift, but what's the point, right? You need to know why you've been given these grace gifts, this spiritual gift that just comes naturally to you. This is God's hope for the church. God didn't intend church to be a place for you to come and have a spiritual moment once a week to get a goosebump or like a nice quote for your Instagram and go about your week. This is an equipping center. This is where we get together, we start to work out in our gifts, and then we go out into the world. The, 
the gifts are not supposed to stay within these four walls. We don't teach about spiritual gifts to make the church bigger. We do believe that it will happen naturally. When you get better, it naturally gets bigger because more people want to be a part of it. But that's not what we're about. We're about equipping you to the purpose that God has for you to further his kingdom. And so we were created to make a difference in this world. I already mentioned it, but the parts of our vision is to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose so that you can leave an impact. And that's why my refuge is built around those four steps. The church today actually looks really different than the church of the New Testament, which even looks different than God's relationship with people back in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they had to have priests that would be the intercessors between man and God. And then they even had the high priest. And so once a year, Yom Kippur, the high priest would be able to enter into the Holy of Holies, and that's where God's presence dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant. And he would atone or pay for, via a sacrifice, the sins of the people to pay for that. And so the New Testament came, and Jesus became our high priest. He became our mediator, our intercessor. And he died to become that sacrifice so that we don't have to go to a person anymore. We don't have to rely on a priest to intercede for us to God. We can go straight to God himself. God the Son came and became man so that we no longer have to make sacrifices. And so 50 days after that happened, after Jesus died and rose again, was Pentecost. And Pentecost simply just means 50th. And so that's the 50th day after the resurrection. And what happened in um, the New Testament church was they were gathered together and they were praying and the Holy Spirit came on them and people actually thought they were drunk because they were acting in such a way that they were like, what is happening? And then Paul said, guys, it's 9 a.m. It's, it's funny because it actually says that in the Bible. I love that. He's like, uh, it's 9. Um, <laughs> and so Paul addresses the crowd, and he does that by actually quoting the prophet Joel. And so in Acts 2, 17 through 18, this is Paul addressing the people and telling them, no, what's happening right now is actually something that was prophesied long ago. And it's in the last days, God said that I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. This was an all play. This was everybody is going to be getting involved here. This is for your sons and your daughters. This is for the young and the old. And this is for your servants and the masters, this is for men and women alike. This is not just for one person, but what happened is that people twisted it. And so as the church advanced and we go uh, more into church history, so we're going down the road and we turn this into a religious thing, and the word clergy came about. Clergy, you cannot find the word clergy in the Bible. It doesn't exist. You can't find the word layman in uh, the Bible. That doesn't exist. Clergy for us means that H&R Block doesn't know how to do your taxes. But <laughs> clergy actually means one who reads. And so clergy was a man-made thing. It was never God's intent to have one person here doing all the reading and telling you what to believe. Come back next week and we'll do it again. That's, that was never God's intent for the church, but that's the way that man twisted it to be, to be clergy and laymen, men that just lay around. That was never how it was supposed to happen. 
And so if you know anything about uh, church history, the 1500s come about in the Protestant Reformation. There's this guy named Martin Luther, and he goes, it's, it's a little bit divided whether or not he actually nailed these to the church door or not, but the 95 Thesis. And one of the, one of the points of that was the priesthood of all believers. Still nothing has changed, though. He's trying to reform, right? And so when you try to reform something, you make a big switch. You're trying to, like, flip the system on its head. It takes a long time. And so we're still working on that today, much to his dismay. He's probably rolling over in his grave. That we're still clergy and laymen. That we're still not acting in the priesthood of all believers, meaning that, guys, what we do is no different than what you do. What you do should be the same as what we do. All we're doing is equipping you to do that. That's our job is to cast the vision for the church so we can all start working in that together. And so that's why this is so important. This is so mission critical. And this is why the enemy wants to take you out. That this, if he can stop us right here, the war is over. And so that's why we are going to fight till our dying day to pursue this, to continue, until everybody understands the priesthood of all believers, that this is everybody's responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So our job is going to be to equip you, is going to be to preach my refuge, is never going to stop talking about, listen, if you've been here from day one, you'll know that we have modified my refuge like three times. Because we care about it enough that we're going to meet you where you're at. And so before, we were like, okay, it's too hard for people to do. They can't, you know, we were doing it once a week. And so if you missed a week, then you had to wait essentially a month to go back into the next step. And we're like, nope, we're going to make it easier. And then in the pandemic age, we're like, look how efficient. I love efficiency. That must be a spiritual gift. <laughs> look how efficient it is to get things done online. And so we put it online. And so... And then, like, time frame, we're like, okay, people, maybe people can't give four hours, you know, once a week for four weeks. They can't give that much time. And so let's make it an hour. So we've jammed it down. It's really, truth be told, it's an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, but that's, that's, like, shorter than the Adam Sandler movie. So you guys can just either plow right through it or you can just do a little bit here, uh, here and there. And so that's our, that's our goal is to equip you guys to understand that what we're doing is the same as what you're called to do. And so we're going to jump into what the actual spiritual gifts, and next week we'll, we'll dive more into specific spiritual gifts, but I want to give you guys three truths about spiritual gifts today to wrap it up. Truth number one is that God has called all of us to minister to the world around us. And that's exactly what I was just talking about with the priesthood of all believers, that this is not on like, hey, I have a friend who really doesn't know where they stand with faith, and so if I can just bring him to Pastor Adam, maybe he can have a conversation with them. No, that's not our responsibility. We're happy to do that. That's an honor to do that. And we would be glad to have that conversation with you with your friend, but that's not on us. That is on you. God has put that conviction in your heart for your friend and how much you must love your friend to have that conviction for them. And so we believe here that every member is a minister. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared this in advance. God didn't make us and be like, well, what am I going to do with them now? He had the work that had to happen. He had something. He had a mission that needed to happen. And so he created us to make that happen. It wasn't the other way around. And that should give you such a sense of purpose that you were created for this. And we even talked this morning, Pastor Adam talked in our dream team huddle about for such a time as this. You were actually created in all of history 
for this moment. Your great-grandparents, your great-grandchildren weren't born for this time. And I know this time is difficult, and I know this time carries a lot of weight, but you were created for this moment. This isn't about us growing. This isn't about us becoming the biggest church in Maine. This is about us creating people who understand their gifts, begin to walk in that, and start to minister to the people around there. That's what's going to naturally grow a church, but that's not the goal of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. And so it is given to everybody to help everybody. It is for you to share with every person. And I can tell you, honestly, I felt my entire life growing up that, like, the gifts that I had, I didn't even understand them to be spiritual gifts, but the things that I, I had the grace gift that I was naturally good at, I felt like they were so random, and I never knew how they fit. And so I was interested in this, but I dabbled in a little bit of this. And even still, as an adult, people were like, what do you do? And I'm like, <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't know how, to, how, how much time you got. Just because when you start to act in your gifts, they all start to make sense. So to have a little bit of an administration gift and have a little bit of a creative gift out in the world, like creators and administrators are so random. But when you're leading a church, like, oh, that makes sense. And so I couldn't see it back then, but I see it now only because I'm starting to walk out my gifts. It's not that I've become older and wiser. It's that I just started, okay, this is, I'm just, I'm good at this and I'm going to start doing it. Not for my own glory. I'm doing this for God. And so once you start to work in your gifts for God, he's the one that's going to equip you to move further, faster, and to advance his kingdom, which is what we're all about. Number two, every gift from God is unique and important. And that's what I kind of started to hit on is that they seem random, but they're not. They're unique. First Peter 4.10 says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And so when you start to actually really research spiritual gifts, you're going to find some people say there are 10, some people say there are 11, some people say there are 22. And it really, it's not like here's, here's from this like small set of spiritual gifts. I'm actually fairly decent at social media and marketing. Guess what? The Bible says nothing about social media and marketing. So once you actually start to dive more into your spiritual gifts, you can kind of root that back to, okay, that might be the gift of exhortation because you're actually reaching out to people. But as far as the spiritual gifts themselves, when you guys come back next week, because everybody's going to come back next week, when you guys come back next week, Pastor Adam and I will be talking about specific spiritual gifts. We're not necessarily going to be like, okay, here's gift number one all the way through right. gifts yeah. like 22. It really depends. But as you read the Bible and you start to see people in the Bible really even acting through their spiritual gifts, you'll understand kind of what the root gift is in that. And so spiritual gifts, what this scripture is telling us is that they're all different and they're equally important in their function. The Bible actually talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, it likens it to a human body. And so my foot and my hand are both very important and I'm very glad to have them both. But they both have very different functions. If I were to pick up a sandwich with my feet, you guys would be like, uh, yeah, she is weird. But my feet also aren't going to help me walk out the door because that would be awesome. 
but that would be so weird. And so they have very different functions, but they're all equally important, and that's the same way it is with spiritual gifts. And so that's kind of a hard concept sometimes for people to kind of grasp. And so I've, I've kind of come up with a scenario that's going to help you guys to see the different spiritual gifts in action, how they work well together. And so don't get excited. This isn't happening, but it would have been awesome. So pretend that we walk out into the comet, and there's this huge dessert buffet for Pastor Adam's birthday. And so because it's his birthday, we choose to let him go first because we're nice. And so he goes, and he's just, like, going ham on this dessert buffet. And he's, like, loading his plate up. But because we're ballers on a budget, we got cheap plates. And so they're, like, the paper ones, and they're not even, like, the coated paper ones. And so as he's walking to his seat, his plate falls, and all his desserts spill. This is, if you guys know Adam, this is highly unlikely to happen. <laughs> so the spiritual gifts in action would look like this. The person with a gift of administration says, Dave, go ahead and get the mop. Aaron, go ahead and clean it up. Tanasia, go help him and get him a new plate. The person with the gifts of craftsmanship says, hey, Pastor Adam, like that plate's really cheap and flimsy, so I made you like this plate holder. Do you guys remember those like wicker plate holders? That's like screams picnic to me. I made you, I just like whipped this up because I have the gift of craftsmanship. And so here's a plate holder. So go ahead and go back up, but use the plate holder because that'll um, help steady all those desserts that you're getting. The person with a gift of discernment actually went through multiple times because they knew that those plates were cheap, and so they weren't going to pile all the desserts onto one plate. The person with the gift of exhortation says, oh, that's okay, Pastor Adam. It could have happened to anybody. <laughs> the person with the gift of giving says, here, take my plate. Like, it's fine. I can, I can go up again. And then the person with the gift of wisdom actually never even went to the, <laughs> the buffet because they, the <laughs> they had the gift of wisdom. The person with a gift of serving says, I'm going to clean it up. And then the person with a gift of teaching says, well, the reason why it fell is because you put all the heavy things like the cake and stuff on one side. Everybody knows you can't do that. You have to distribute the weight equally. And so that's what it looks like when the spiritual gifts are in a real world situation, right? They're all very different. They're all very unique, but they work together to make things happen. And so I know you guys are sitting there and you might have heard that and you're like, that's totally me. That, like, I am the bossy pants, and I would be, like, the person with the gift of administration, like, directing people where to go. Or maybe I'm the one who loves to whittle a plate holder in <laughs> real fast. And so you might hear that, and you'd be like, okay, like, I, I have a good idea of what my spiritual gifts are. This is just, like, a small sample because I couldn't fit the rest into the story to make sense. But this is just a small sample of what the spiritual gifts are. And that's why I'm preaching it again, my refuge. Step three, you'll actually be able to take a personality and gifts assessment and see what your spiritual gifts are. And the fulfillment in your life only comes when you start to understand why God made you and what you're supposed to do with those things. We have this culture of people that are just so sad with their life. They just don't understand. It seems meaningless. I mean, the age-old question of, like, why am I here? Why does this matter? This is not a new thing. But I feel like it's amplified, probably because our voices are amplified via social media, via the Internet, being able to connect with each other and just to, like, dump your thoughts out. But people struggle so much with understanding the meaning of their life because they don't have fulfillment. And so you can't determine what the purpose of the art is. You have to go to the artist, to the one who created it, to say, okay, like this weird sculpture, like tell me about it. Like what does this mean? What's the purpose of this? 
It's only when we turn to the creator, to our creator, that we can understand our purpose, why we were created, why we have the different things that make us tick. It's not random. It's intentional. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It talks about that in Psalm 139, 14 through 16. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body in all the days ordained for me. This moment, uh, all the days ordained for me were written in this book before one of them came to be. This moment I talked about, this moment is the moment that you were created for. You were made for this. You were made for this time and you were made for this gift. I even believe you are made for this church. That's why you are here. That's why God has brought you to this place. Number three, the last point is that the gifts that God has given me show me who I am. I talked a little bit about that before with people not having that fulfillment, but we really have an identity crisis. And I think we can all agree with that, that people just, I don't know who I am. I don't understand why I'm here. I don't, I don't know what the point is of any of this. Like I said, you don't know any of this stuff until you go to the creator. And that's another purpose for Sunday worship is that we are turning to the creator to find out what it is that he has for us, why he wants us to be here. But then we are to go. We are to leave this building and to go out into the streets to gather people and to help them come to the creator, to discover their identity, to discover their purpose. And as people start to discover their spiritual gifts, they're more equipped to see the person as a whole. It's not, you're not random. Romans 12, 3 through 6 says, for by grace, Given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. And I'm going to teach on those three words in just a second. So that's how we do it. And then the next part is what I've been talking about all morning. Just as each of us as one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. And it goes on to talk more specifically about the gifts. This is all conditional on those three words, highly, sober, and faith. Highly, where it's talking about this, it, it doesn't mean that don't, don't be proud. Don't think too much of yourself. It's about having the right view of yourself. Some people struggle with thinking too much of themselves, but some people also struggle with thinking too little of themselves. So that highly, don't think of yourself too highly. It's think of yourself accurately. See you how God sees you. Sober is having the right mind. And that same word actually is the word used when Jesus heals the man who is demon-possessed and he returns to his right mind. That's that same word. And so you need to go back to having the right mind. Replace the lies that you've believed your entire life and see you how God sees you. When it talks about faith here, it's talking about allowing the one who created you to give you the right view of yourself. So if we break that down in kind of a, a pocket size edition, this verse might read like this. Do not have the wrong view of who you are, 
but rather be set free and put in your right mind by allowing the one who created you to show you who you are and what you were created to do. Let's pray. God, you know every person in this room, and you know that the lies that they believe that have given them the wrong view, the things that have lied to them, the people who have told them they weren't worth it, they weren't worth enough, that they were useless. You know the things that have happened in their life to cause them to either have a too high view or too low view of themselves, Lord. And we just ask right now that you would just heal their mind, that you would take over their heart, God, that you would give them right view of self, that they would have the ability to see you how you see them, God. We ask that you heal us of our unbelief, Lord. And if this is you, that you're at the sound of my voice, and I had discussed earlier and just the opportunity to accept that free gift, that this is your moment, that you were created for this, but you are here for this moment right now. And so if that's you, I just want you to pray with me. God, I trust you. I give my heart to you, Lord. I don't want to do it on my own anymore. I don't want to be in control of my life anymore. You're the one who gave me life. You're the one who knows how best to live it, Lord. I surrender my life to you. I accept your son Jesus and the price that he paid to pay for my sin, to atone for my sin. And it's because of him I can live with you forever. And if that's you and if you made that decision, we want to know about that. Not for numbers, but so we can celebrate that with you. So we can equip you to grow in your faith. Because guess what? You're now a target for the enemy. Congratulations. He wants nothing more than to stop the work that's happening here. And so this is why we have these connection cards. The connection cards are under the seat right in front of you. And so if you made a decision, whether it's the first time or the first time in a long time, to surrender your life to God, we just want you to fill that out. You can either drop it in the black box like Pastor Adam said, or you can drop it at Guest Central on the way out and get a gift. But we just want to connect with you to help you take your next step. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to stand and worship together.